This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. This episode contains topics that may be triggering for some people. Viewer's discretion is advised. What's going on, everyone? This is another episode of Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and I am here with Chad Osinga. Chad is a is an ar- of a retired Army sniper and a combat application instructor. Um, I'm not even going to. I have it here. I'm not even going to butcher it. I'm going to let you tell us about you, Chad. First and foremost, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. I was excited all week just to to be on the set with you. So I'm excited. Uh, my life has been crazy. It's it's been a, a roller coaster. You know, you highlighted a couple really shining points in my life with being a sniper and being a combat applications instructor. That was something that was the highlight of my my life. But before that, it was a lot of ups and downs, more downs than ups. I was born into drama. My mom was a drug addict and she was addicted to crack cocaine. She was struggling with this way before I was ever born. I was just kind of born into it. Mm. And when I was born, I don't know if it was because of the drug use, but I was born with herbs palsy. So the left side of my body wasn't functioning. And the doctor gave her an ultimatum. She doctor was like, hey, you have this window of time to help regain his function or he'll he'll never use the left side of his body. Mm. So she, I think, took a hiatus from the drugs just enough to work with me and get me to a place where I was at least functioning on my left side. But then she went right back to the drugs. And but it, and it was like super bad. Uh, I had no direction. My, my dad wasn't in the picture. I actually just met him 40 years later uh, for the first time. Yeah. And. I, for years I hated them and then you meet them and you're like oh it all makes sense it mm-hmm. probably wasn't even your fault that you weren't in my life and I don't think it was I think that my my mom was just a very bitter woman she was stuck in in her situation in her war with herself and if you didn't give her what she wanted then she would kind of just cut you off you know so she ended up getting super strung out And well, let me backtrack. I was labeled with a learning disability. And so that was another really big issue early on in my life, but I didn't have a mom to really help me through that. So I was just picked on. I was shoved in a room with a whole bunch of other kids that had issues. And we were picked on not just by other students, but by the teachers. They would come around, tell us that we were dumb. I mean, all kinds. I mean, I, I look back and I'm like, man, you know, having kids, how can you tell a, a child that they're dumb, you know, that that young in their life? But they did. And it set me up for a lot of personal issues moving forward. Right. And then 
my mom got so strung out that she ended up allowing all of her drug dealers to come live in our home. And they used our house as a crack house. They buried kilos of cocaine in the backyard. We didn't have a big house. It was one of those small, one-story, like, you know, shoulder to shoulder, the hallways. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like waddling through just to get by. And so I began to run. I didn't have an identity. I didn't know who I was. I had been picked on all my life. So then you got these drug dealers and they're taking me under their wing. They're taking me and doing deals. And like, I felt like Scarface for a hot second, oh, you know, not, not, not that I was, you know, this big, but just because I was with these people and, you know, I longed for an identity and they gave me one. It wasn't a good identity mm. it, and it was a false identity, but it was one nonetheless. Right. Like I was, I gravitated to it. And so around 14, my house gets raided and there's a whole bunch of events that took place that caused the raid to kind of happen and some mistakes on the, you know, the dealer's parts, but there was a ring that was going from New York all the way down to Miami. And the leader of that ring kind of stayed and frequented at my house. And he was the one that took me under his wing. Like he kind of took in a father role to me and, yeah. you know, uh, I I wanted to be like like that dude, you know. And then my house gets raided. I my my mom goes to federal prison, and I get sent to Oklahoma to family in Oklahoma. And so I'm already messed up. My whole life has been no guidance. I've seen nothing but violence and drugs and deceit. There's not been one honest person in my life you know, outside of maybe my grandmother, which was a shining life. I don't know if you've had a good grandmother in your life, but if you got one, hold on to them, man, because they they really do make things so much better when you're going through a lot of stuff. And so I go to Oklahoma and man, it was not a good place at all for me. They They treated me just like a drug addict's kid. You know, they, they really did. And they were getting paid to keep me, which I didn't know at the time. And then they started beating me. I would be black and blue, bleeding. Wow. Um, and just, they wouldn't allow me to talk to my mom. They wouldn't allow me to talk to my grandparents back in Virginia. They, I mean, nothing, man. They were just, I was isolated to what they wanted me to see and hear and be around. Um, I couldn't even, they would pre-open my mail. They wouldn't even allow me to, oh yeah, like I was in jail, basically, you know, they would put me into a corner, 14 years old, 15, uh, by the time I, I left there, but I would, they, I would be forced to stand in a corner, right? Like I was three, I would have to eat there. I would have to stay there until it was time for bed. And I mean, stand there doing schoolwork, standing up there. Like it was nuts. Uh, wow. And, and this is family. This is family. This is my mom, mom's side. Yeah. And they, uh, and then, like I said, then I would get beat if I didn't listen. And so there was some fear there and I was a scrawny kid. I had anemia when I got there. So I, I was, cause I, I wasn't eating right. There was no good food in my house before the raid. And so about 18 months of that, about a year and a half, I just, I run away, man. I, and I couldn't do it anymore. I devised a plan. I ran away and I get caught the first time by, cause I didn't know that Tulsa had a um, curfew for kids. So gotcha. I, I get caught because of the curfew 
But then the second time I ran away, I made it all the way from Oklahoma to Virginia. Uh, so I get back to Virginia. They arrest me uh, because I broke probation because I ran. You know, it is a whole yeah. bunch of things. But, <laughs> I, you know, custody was given to family in Virginia and I was in a much better place. But the damage was really done like mentally. I was just I didn't care. I didn't I didn't think that I was worth anything. Right. Mm. My mom gets out of prison. She ends up ODing and passing away. Wow. Yeah. And it's just a whole mess, right? And then finally, they wouldn't even allow me to go to the schools that I went to prior to all the stuff that happened at my house. Mm -hmm. So they sent me to a different district and I met this girl. And this girl changed my world, right? Like she uh, believed in me. She actually liked me for me. And it was blew my mind that she wasn't trying to use me. She wasn't trying to like I don't know. It was just she saw something I couldn't see in me and it intrigued me. Yeah. And we ended up getting married, having kids. But she told me she was like, you got to stop running the streets because I was still running the streets. I was still doing what I knew to do. That's that's know? what you knew. Yeah. So you didn't know any better, you know, yeah, or any I, other. I Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't hold a, a normal job. I couldn't like. No, no. Did you I, have. Did you have anger and attitude problems as oh well? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, look, when <laughs> probably up until I joined the military, I would have fought a police officer. Actually, I tried to fight a sheriff at one point, and thank God I had friends that uh, restrained me. Yeah. Uh, and and the officer was in a good mood that night, apparently, because. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was wild. I, I was wild. I would, yeah. I didn't, I didn't care. I, I really didn't care. And I didn't, I couldn't see life past like 21, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, I was just going to live it up. I had one of those, you know, was it, uh, live fast, you know, uh, die young type yeah. mentalities. And I, I really did. I, I was, I was bent on that, but when, I met her. She kind of gave me something long-term that I never had before. And then we ended up having kids. We had two kids and I was like, oh man, we were living in low-income housing. I was working at this factory. So even though I had stopped selling drugs, now I'm working at this dead-end factory, not yeah, making yeah. any money. And I looked around and I was like, man, they're going to grow up just like I did. I mean, yeah, they might have two loving parents, but they're not going to have any advantage, right? Like they're, you know, so my grandfather was a Marine and I went for the military. Uh, the Marines wouldn't take me because of my, my incidents with school and everything else yeah. with the army. The army takes everybody. And yeah, so, they do. <laughs> the army took me and off I go to, you know, to this whole world. And as I was telling you before you started recording, you know, I, I didn't have structure. So that, that beginning was rough for me. It mm -hmm. was really, really, really rough. Where'd and you go to basic? Fort Knox, Kentucky. Ooh. Yeah, I was a scout and I came in as a scout and uh, 19 Delta or 19 detail, depending on, you know, who you talk to. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And so it was, it, it, things had not quite shifted in the military. So there was still a lot of, you know, in abuse. Your yeah. 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 Gotcha. What what year did you what did what year did you go in? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. Wow. Yeah. 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 I that's that's in, crazy. 
Yeah, and I retired. And I did 10 years, so I retired in, in 15. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, like, the first few years, man, I hate I, I did not want to do it because I was like, what did I just get myself into? Yeah. Like, I'll never, like, I'm going to tell you this, like, so I'll never forget. They, you know, they make you pour out your bags, right? And they go through it, right? And then they, you have to put everything back in. They throw your duffel bags on this five ton and they drive it to the barracks. Then they make you run to the barracks. Mm -hmm. So we're running to the barracks and they're like, get your bags. So we get our duffel bags. Now, mind you, we have two duffel bags and the rucksack on our backs. And we were at the top. I think there was three flights of of stairs to get to where our bay was. Gotcha. So we have to go all the way to the top. And we got all these guys yelling at us. And as we're going up the steps, this guy beside me, like just stops right and there was a drill sergeant at like the you know the steps go up and you have kind of that that uh, platform and then they go yeah. back yeah so he's yep. standing like right there like you know yelling at people as they come up and dude stops and he's like so why why are you stop uh stopping private he was like sergeant I, I i don't know i might die i think i might die he goes then fucking die and then he he looked at this kid and said go back down and start the fuck over and I, 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 I remember in my mind just telling myself over and over, what did you just do? What mm-hmm. did you just, they just told this kid to die, mm-hmm. right? Like, I had no idea what I had just walked my ass into. I really didn't. And, yeah. you know, and, and then there was the discipline that came after that that was very hard for me. Um, but then things leveled off uh, after a few years of of you know i think once you get a little rank also it helps Mm -hmm. uh but i had an opportunity to um become a sniper and and you know that really changed my world uh i was able to go to a special special operations sniper school Mm -hmm. and it opened some doors for me and my life never like the whole trajectory changed for me when it came to the military and then i was around people that thought differently it wasn't, it was more of the team aspect rather than I, you're going to do this because I said to do it. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Not that that didn't exist still, but it wasn't as much as, you know, there was, there was a big team aspect mm-hmm. and, and a respect um, that went across the board more so. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and then you wanted to respect the people that were in front of you and in charge of you. Like, because that it was mutual, you know. The environment change. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And when you're around high level people, I I feel like that that's the first thing that you you start to to sense is that that shift in just demeanor and attitude on how they look at the people around them and that they're working with. Like it's no longer I'm better or it's here's the goal. How can we accomplish this? Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, it, it was it was good for me. It, it really was. And it opened up a lot of doors. Uh, while all this happened, though, my daughter ended up having a stroke while while I was in Germany. She was five years old. And that's all. like I don't even know if we have enough time for for all of that. But she basically she almost died. There was a rare disease that caused it, but they misdiagnosed her. And we were in Germany at the time. Wow. And the first hospital for 24 hours thought it was just seizures. So they didn't give her an MRI or anything. And finally a neurologist was like, Hey, MRI. And they were like, nine, 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 you know? And he's like, 
what are you guys doing? So yeah. did it notice that her she had a stroke and it was a very large stroke and that her brain was swollen and that she needed emergency surgery. So they flew us to a children's hospital and she had the surgery. Uh, long story short, we ended up in Walter Reed in DC. Mm-hmm. And while all this was happening, my wife actually gave birth with our third. So she had, a, she got stuck with our newborn in Germany and my oldest and my daughter flew to uh, America and, and had to deal with all that. So it was just, a. She was on chemo for, mm. for several months to try to kill the disease that basically attacked her. It was just a, a very trying uh, season for us. And then the third child that we had, and then we ended up having a fourth, they both were diagnosed with autism. So at one point, we had three children in therapy at the same exact time, and I was still in the military. So it, it was just, it was a lot. It, it was a lot. And I ended up getting sustaining a whole bunch of injuries uh, over my my <laughs> my career. Yeah, and uh, they the army retired me, uh, and they were like, I would have stayed in at that point to do thirty years. I didn't really want to get out. That wasn't what I wanted. But they they told me to get out, so I get out, and they allowed me to retire. But I I faced like the darkest point in my life. At after, despite everything I faced up to that point, because I had finally found like my my jam, right? Like I was really good at what I was doing, like yeah. being an instructor, teaching people how to uh, do apply combat techniques. And, mm-hmm. You know, I I was I was really good at it, and it was all being stripped away from me, and I didn't have an identity. See, it goes right back to the- right back to yeah. How did you navigate that? Because that sounds like you said it was dark. I feel like I feel like it might have gotten pretty dark for you. So how did you oh, yeah. how did you navigate that on top of dealing with um your children and and their their issues that 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 have come to light and you know yeah. was so, like I like for the kid the kids were stable mm-hmm. uh, by the time that. Uh, I actually retired. They were, we had a good routine, a good flow, and they were starting to figure out some independency. Um, and so that that part wasn't that that was set in motion pretty much. Gotcha. My gotcha. wife, I have a great wife, and she has dealt with me and all of my injuries and yeah. all of my surgeries. And so this was just probably another check in her box, like, oh, okay, he's jacked up again. All right. So, but for me. Uh, I didn't, I, man, I checked out. I really did. I checked, I started drinking mm-hmm. and I don't know. Have you ever heard the saying an idle mind is the devil's playground? Mm-hmm. Yep. That was very true for me. So now I have no purpose. And it was like everything that I faced from being a child, everything seemed to just like come at me at one time, things mm-hmm. in combat, just PTSD from all over. Right. Just, and I didn't know how to to handle it. So I started drinking just to go to sleep at first. And then that quickly turned into a fifth a night easily. Right. And then I was, I was smoking weed on top of that. I started riding motorcycles to try to also cope with that. And -hmm. then in 2015, I got hit, I got T-boned, uh, no 18, sorry, 18. I got hit by 
um, this 18 year old kid on his damn cell phone. He blew through a red light at 45 miles an hour and T-boned me. Yeah. And so then they give me oxy on top of that. So now oh, I'm drinking, shit. I'm smoking, and I got oxy. So, oh. so, so I just doubled, you know, I didn't learn my lesson after that first right. So I doubled down on everything that I was already doing. And I couldn't, I didn't see a light. I really didn't. I tried to off myself. Um, I, I actually had the 45 to my head. And if it wasn't for my, I was bought, I was butt naked on my knees crying. I couldn't stop crying. Like to the point where, you know, you're like dry heaving. Yeah. I don't even know if tears are even coming out anymore. Right. And I have the gun to my head and my dog actually came and started licking me and wouldn't stop licking me. <laughs> and that's what stopped me from, you know, squeezing the trigger. And then Hey, hey, hey. Did you know I wrote a book? It's called The Value Method. Five Steps to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets and small assignments at the end of each chapter. You're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. My wife came up and was like, what the shit? You know what I mean? Like, So let me pause you right there because resilience and action, we talk about the, the heavy stuff and the deep stuff. Yeah. Um, what, what was going through your mind when you had the gun to your head? Um, because I know there's, there's so many people who say, but you have kids and you have this and you have that experience i don't have children i have a wife and i've been i've had my share of harmful thoughts and yeah. actions um yeah. and and people always ask well well what about this and what about that can you shed some light on what you were experiencing in that moment yeah yeah i think that when you feel like you're hurting everybody around you more mm -hmm. than you're helping them that's that was the, the big thing for me and then also the guilt of what you weren't able to stop from happening mm -hmm. uh, whether that be you know the decisions i made before i joined the military to things on the battlefield right and things happen and you're like why couldn't i have made this decision i see it now i didn't see it then why can i why why did i why did this have why did this guy have to die why did you know, and, and so like you, I, I liken it to like going into a revolving door in your past. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that revolving door, all you can see and feel is these things back here that are negative and hurtful. And I mean, I'm talking like the heaviest shit in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Things that you try to avoid. All right. Are now swirling around and you can't escape every time you try to escape it. You can't, mm -hmm. right? That's why there's so many people that struggle with, you know, I think mental health is because they get in this revolving door and there's no no exit sign just saying, hey, come here, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You can try a lot of different things. That doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was in this revolving door and I was no good to my family. And I knew that. Right. My wife was was literally having to do everything for me. Not only was I physically broke up now, but mentally, 
spiritually, emotionally. I didn't feel like I was adding value to any part of my life. So why, why, if they, if I pass, at least maybe they can get some money from my death. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. which at the time, it, you know, that's a long story anyway, but you know, so it's just like, there's a lot going on yeah. I think in that, but I think the biggest thing is that revolving door and you're not, you're not even a lot of times I wasn't thinking about what was everything gonna happen else. Tomorrow. Yeah. I, it was yeah. Just, I was, I was stuck five years ago. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that's what people feel. And you know, a lot of people, they say, Oh, obviously you haven't gone through enough heavy shit or you're just not being honest. Yeah. Right. Because when I'll, I'll give it a, a, like a lower example, my wife lost her dad. And for at least a year, she changed. Mm -hmm. She was not the same woman that I had known for the last 24 years of my life. Of course. Okay? She, her spirit was gone. She, and I was, I was having to cover it down. She mm -hmm. was, there was no motivation. There was nothing. She would just cry. She, she was stuck, right? in this event that happened all the way up to a year ago, mm -hmm. right? She, matter of fact, she still has her moments, right? And, and that's normal. But imagine somebody that has severe trauma in their life, okay? And they've been hurt to their core. They're just swirling around this. And there's a lot of guilt, right, within yourself. Like, why did, why did I allow myself to get here? Why did I allow this to happen to me? Uh, and a lot of people think that they're being selfish by wanting to kill themselves. They're thinking about it the opposite. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And that's that's the thing right there. Um, when I try to articulate that to people, it's like they don't they don't they don't understand it. And yeah. I and and I get it. There's some things that in this world that we're just not meant to understand. Yes. Uh, and and that's fine, you yeah. know, and that's fine. But I think. I think at the end of end of the day, the the people that you have that you can talk to, who listen and that support system, is can make or break what ends up happening in that moment. You know. Yeah, it, it can. Like I had a buddy who uh, committed suicide at the hospital on base in the parking lot. He blew his brains out right there in the in the parking lot, mm -hmm. and the day before he was laughing with everybody. Right, he never he never told anybody. And just like if I if my dog hadn't stopped me, my wife would have found my dead body. Mm -hmm. She came up right at the right time, and then the, the conversation could open. And yeah, and, and happen because I wasn't yep. willing to be to open that because right. again, <clears throat> we're thinking in that mindset that. I'm now I have to burden them with yet another thing that right. I that I'm not able to deal with. I'm not able to handle. And then yeah. like you said, we're in that revolving door. And it's yeah. and it's and we and we spiral. And I say we, um, because I don't take myself out of out of those type of situations. Um, how dare I do that? Right. right, right. Um Yeah, no, uh I'm well, I'm glad your dog came up. Yeah, and, and and showed you some love. I think our yeah. animals, our animals know when we are 
when we need love, right? They they, they sense it. They sense it. Um, a few weeks ago, I was struggling mentally really, really bad. And my dog is not a cuddler whatsoever. But when I say he would not leave my side, yeah. he would not leave my side. So, you know, people are like, oh, emotional support. And they, yeah, they, they, they help. They it's help crazy. a lot. It's, it's crazy how in tune uh, these animals are. Uh, horses are really good, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of your listeners, um, they're struggling. If you have a horse farm near you. And you don't have to necessarily ride them. Just start like cleaning and brushing the horse. And man, they will change your life. They mm-hmm. will change your life. You're um, like the third person I've heard of refer to horses yeah. in that manner. So yeah. something, to, something to think heard, about people. Somebody told me about some crazy stuff with some wolves. I don't know, but I, I'll make sure that, that, you know, if they don't, <laughs> they come back and they're still whole, then I, I might entertain it. But you know, uh, I got to see if they make it through it first. You yeah. Know? I don't know about that one. <laughs> now, you know, I and I want to say this, you know, when it comes to mental health, um, everybody's fight looks different, mm-hmm. right? And so you might not understand why somebody would go to the lengths of considering suicide. They might not consider why you don't ever deal with your emotions, right? Or you do whatever you do, right? We all have different fights. And it, it, I would say if you don't understand it, that's probably a good thing for you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I will say this, uh, being willing to talk to somebody and be like a sounding board, just an ear can do a lot of, of great things. And a lot of people, um, they, man, they have uh, big missions on this earth and they're being snuffed out because they believe no one wants to hear what they got going on. Mm-hmm. And so I would challenge you, if you don't understand it, to maybe try to gain some understanding because understanding uh, is truly uh, like a power source, right? Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's yeah, why I got on that one. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. I think it it uh, it benef- it's definitely beneficial um because they they hear it from me all the time and any of my guests that I have that have experienced um or lived through something similar I like to get their input so they hear that it's coming from more than one source you yeah. know yeah um, yeah good good so hey 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 if you're enjoying this content do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience. All right, we are, your <laughs> wife comes up, your dog's licking your face. What is that conversation like? Uh, you know, she she was just kind of in shock and she let me calm down. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I knew that we were going to have to talk about it. Yeah. And the, the, I think that what made it easier is that she knew I was fighting some demons up to this point. Cause I was having nightmares. I was ha- drinking, obviously like she knew that story up to this point. She just didn't know I was at the point where 
I felt like ending it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just honest with her. You know, you you caught me, right? Uh, <laughs> Red-handed. And um, it wasn't, I, like I said, I have a good wife. She was just, she listened, you know, she listened. And she is always willing to be aware of where my headspace is because, listen, when you've been through a lot of stuff, who is it? For somebody else to say you shouldn't feel a certain way about what's happened in your life. Yeah. You gotta understand, since the time I was born, I've been getting hit with bullshit, right? And it hasn't stopped. <laughs> right. And even when I served my country honorably and went overseas and, and fought, and just because I was injured, now you're canning me. Uh, yeah, you retired me, but you canned me from the very thing that I was the most passionate about, right? Yeah. And now I'm getting hit left and right from all of these things and all my resources are gone, right? It's just a different world when you're out and no one believes it until you get out. Once you get out, everything that you once had, you now, you, now you're just a number. When you're in, you're at the top of every line. You can do whatever you need to do. You get things seen. When you come out, you're on everybody's in line. <laughs> you're like the last number on everybody's line, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody goes before you. And it might take you several months to, to get just an appointment with the VA. Yeah. And so, and that's the other thing that's contributing to a lot of these issues. So she was very just responsive to what, what I was going on, what was, what was going on with me. And she allowed herself to be my best friend. And, yeah. and so that's really what I was just started being open and, opening open with her and we would just talk and I was open when I was having a rough day or I was feeling a certain way and she would try to offset that you know I think one of the things that really helped me is keeping my mind busy like mm -hmm. I said an idle mind was what was hurting me so you know whether it be getting involved with therapies with my kids again like just get myself at and get away from drinking and yeah. altering my mind because that was just ultimately pulling me right back into that that those dark spaces. So she ultimately just helped me figure out the next course of action. Because at the end of the day, do I want to be here for my kids? Yeah. Do I want to, you know, live a long life and and see them grow up and do amazing things? Of course. I think every parent does. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't have a fight. My mom had a fight, but she lost her fight. Yeah. Right? And, and so I was just following in my mom's footsteps and she could see that. And that was another thing I had to kind of wake up to, right, is that I had fallen into those footsteps and I needed to take some actions that were much different than what she took in order to get a different result. So uh, and, that, and that's really why I started to do everything. Like I, I started to really focus on being a better version of me. Right. Mm -hmm. That was a process. Like I said, the motorcycle, taking riding the motorcycle was the first step, but then I got hit. And so I doubled down on everything I was doing, feeling sorry for myself because yet again, I'm trying to do something good. And I felt like, like the world was against me, right? Yeah. And then in 2020, I get back on a motorcycle because I, I love facing fear. Um, and I, I knew that I was scared every time I got in a vehicle and I got hit again at 65 miles an hour. I flatlined twice. I ended up, I've had six surgeries. 
just from that second um, accident. And I was in ICU for seven days and the hospital together for 14. And it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Why because, is that? So I was fumbling around with trying to change and trying to figure out how to be a better me, but I had to face the guy in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I had all these things pulling me away from the mirror, right? Yeah. And those become excuses of why I can't look myself in the mirror. But when I was in that hospital, it was there was COVID. So my they wouldn't allow my family. My family wasn't able to see me. My phone got destroyed on the on the motorcycle. I would I would literally, it was reruns in a hospital room and annoying ass nurses, right? That and horrible was, food. And horrible food. <laughs> Except for the salad. Salad, you can't go wrong with a salad, man. <laughs> but um and the oh, and the chocolate ice cream is bomb too. I'm <laughs> but um so I like time like became one. Like morning and night didn't exist for me in that time period. Yeah. Uh, and so it allowed me to really focus just on me. And I started kind of like a wire and I just traced all the way to the root of everything of why I felt the way I felt. And for some people, it might just be traced down to one thing. For me, it was multiple things. Right. Yeah. And I began to deal with those things, began to come to peace with those things. And I left that hospital. I still had a lot of work to do, but I was different. Like, I don't even know how to explain this part, but I've I've almost lost my life probably on five occasions. And but this time it was like I don't I I knew that my mission in life had changed. Mm -hmm. And I knew that out of all, all of this stuff, there had to be a reason that I was still present on, on this earth. I have friends that have died for a lot less. You know what I mean? You started to build your identity. Yeah, yeah. And that that really helped me moving forward because then I, I put a number on what I wanted to do. And mm -hmm. so I said, hey, I'm going to help 100 million people uncover the legend that's on the inside of them. That's what I'm going to do because there's no other reason why I'm on this earth. And so that's what I decided and everything from learning how to walk again, uh, all of those things, the motivation came from wanting to make a change in the world. And so now I have this bigger purpose because I also believe you have to have things outside of your home. Yeah. Motivate of you. course, of course. That was also one of my big, I was trying to find everything just right here and I needed something to stretch me. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're not being stretched, you don't grow. Uh, so that's what I needed. And when this accident happened, it allowed me to look at myself in the mirror. It allowed me to trace all of this stuff by myself, just me versus me. And I skull dragged the old me and came out victorious. Right. And, you know, a lot of people are scared to face themselves, but that until you do, you're not going to really see the change that you want. And then I was willing to, to fix on something that is going to stretch me, something that is going to make me have to push and do more on a daily basis in order to, to reach it. So, yeah. So you, so I always like to correlate it with like a tree. Um, you may not have been the reason or you may not have been the cause of why those seeds were planted, 
but those seeds were planted. So what you were able to do in the hospital, you were able to trace that root, take out that seed and replace it with something new. Replace it with that purpose. I I use that same. And and that's exactly what you, because you, I I look at the mind like a garden. It really (laughs) is a garden. Absolutely. And so you have soil, right? Like, well, I think, I don't, do you know who Napoleon Hill is? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So he he had the best analogy. He was like, if you have a forest and you want to plant crops in that forest, what's the first thing you have to do? You have to clear all, all the trees, all the shrubs. So that's the first, all that debris that's up here, we have to clear that out. Mm-hmm. Then we have to plow the soil, right? We have to make the soil ready to receive whatever. Get rich. So, yeah. Yeah. Then we we can go in there and and you know a part of that is pulling out the old weeds and getting and and really and I think the problem have you ever tried to grab a weed without digging down and just ripping it and just ripping it from the from the top the top layer yeah. but though that root is still in still there grow, yeah it still just grows back up right yep. and usually thicker than than before right it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like hair right when you shave it's just like well, how did it come back thicker I don't even know right but that's just what it does. So you have to get to, that's why we plow it. That's why we change the soil out first Yeah. because we have to get all these weeds out and we have to get it from the root. So that way it doesn't keep coming back. I was dealing with a lot of weeds and they kept coming back and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? But this second accident allowed me to really just change my perspective on the approach that I had to take and it empowered me. Right. And then I was able to finally plant the seed, water the seed, give it the the nutrients that it needs to grow. And, you know, it, it's been a beautiful process. It really has. Uh, and now I'm in a place where I'm, I'm truly happy. Like for the first time in my life, I can say I'm happy. And I always tell people, why wouldn't you want to be happy, healthy, and wealthy? Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah. you? And you, you know, we, we carry a lot of other people's bullshit, right? Yep. They say that we can't. They say that you're not good enough. They say that this, they say this. Well, damn them, right? You can. You can be happy. I never thought I would be this happy. I wake up. I used to want to sleep in as long as I could, as long as I could, just so I didn't have to face whatever that day was going to bring, like Mm -hmm. real shit. Like I did not want to open my eyes. And now I cannot wait to get up. Like I, 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 and this is by, after being hit by two cars, having everything from my knee to my pelvis being artificial. And I'm like, let's go. Right. But that's that's the power of a mind. Right. And, and, a, and a shift, a paradigm shift, if you will. Right. And I, I, I can't stress the importance. Everybody is reaching out for all of these things. But the answer is within us. It, it always has been that my, I didn't have to go buy a fancy course to get better. I didn't have to, I, I had to look within, right. You had to make and up I your had, mind. Yeah. You yeah. had to, you had to make up your mind. And what you had to do is what I, what I had to do, what a lot of people had to do, what a lot of people refuse to do is look in the mirror and you have to, yep. you have to look in the mirror and you have to be honest about the person that you see. That's that yep. honesty is so easy to just go with the flow and hold up the mirror for everyone else. But when it comes to us, yeah. we need it the most. Yeah. And, and you know, and holding up that mirror is what was say what saved you. Yeah. And, and I love how you said being honest with you because we, we don't like to be honest. Like, Mm-mm. you know, 
at the end of the day, the results that we have in our life, it's because of us. Yeah. It's of the, but we are designed this way by a lot of different things. Some of it is, you know, our family dynamic and the way we were raised. Uh, but we have chosen to keep that in place, right? Mm-hmm. And we followed those those guidelines in life, and that's what we've been getting in our garden, right? Is is those pr- produce, right? And so, if you want something different, then you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to trace. Okay, well, this is the process that I've been doing. This is why I've been getting what I've been getting. Yep. So I got to change it and. Once you change it and you you get it running uh, almost like a machine, it man, it is so beautiful. There's no, it's not work anymore. It's it's you enjoy it, and so I don't know. I would encourage everybody to pursue a sharp mindset. I really mm-hmm. would. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So you go on to create podcast. Oh yeah, I I'm a host of the Legend of You podcast. I also speak every every chance I can. Mm-hmm. Uh been in a whole bunch of articles like with Authority magazine. Uh Good Housekeeping has had me on. So I do a lot of uh interviews and uh I contribute to magazines as well a lot. So I do a lot of writing. I'm in the process of writing a book uh that should come out this this coming year. And um I also do a lot of mentoring. I deal with the Proctor Gallagher Institute, so Bob Proctor, <laughs> and uh, I do a course with him for six months, and then I also do long-term mentorship if people want that with just me. So, uh, and I have a a, a meetup group uh, on meetup.com, which is completely free, and y'all should come join if you are all about mindset. So, love it, yeah, love man. it. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes so people can <laughs> tap into you and and your orbit and what you have going on. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chad, um, wow. I've learned so much about you, so much that I think I think I want to do a part two if you're open to it. Because I yeah. think you have a lot more to share. And I don't want to sit here and stretch this out. I want to 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 give it time to marinate. So we'll drop this one and then we'll come back for that part two. Cause I know I I'd like to talk more about um like your children oh yeah and how you navigated that yeah you know because yeah. um, that's a great my man i had a son that didn't talk for seven years like yeah uh we went through we yeah gone through and, really and have and your the and the ability for you to still like you get up and you put your best foot forward every single day yeah. um and and how you're just able to do that you know yeah yeah. Well, I'm I'm always here. I'm I've had a great time. So I'm definitely open to come back on whenever you want. And if absolutely. you ever want to hop on, you know, my podcast, yeah. I'd love to have it. So yeah, yeah absolutely. We can, we can so, uh we can do it. Yeah, I'm 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 I always like to be I like I love to interview. I love interviewing because I love learning more about other people, but I like being yeah. interviewed as well. Um there we go. how can we support you? Where can we find you on social media? All right, so Chad singer, just like my name on fa- Facebook's where I hang out the most. I have Instagram and I have LinkedIn, but I'm not really on it. And I'm not gonna lie to you guys, yeah. like, but you can. It's Mister Tenacity. My nickname is Mister Tenacity. My wife mm-hmm. gave it to me because I wasn't supposed to walk for 18 months, and I did it in five months. 
And so after all the stuff I faced, my wife was just like, yeah, all right, Mr. Tenacity. And it just was a running joke. Yeah. And I just took it as a name. Mm-hmm. But so that's Instagram and Twitter and the other one that does, I don't know, which I, there's so many of them out there. And then LinkedIn is Chad Osinga as well and Facebook. And then uh, Mr. Tenacity.com is my website. My podcast is on there. You can reach out as far as like scheduling a time. I do 30 minute breakthrough sessions that are completely free. Uh, And I don't care whether we work together afterwards. I truly am here to add value to people. Uh, So yeah, uh, you can do all of that from my, my website. And I think you can also get to all of my social media handles from the website as well. So Perfect. Perfect. Love it. Love. Well, Chad, I want to to acknowledge you just for a quick second, um, because Mr. Tenacity, that you are the epitome of what resilience in action is, um, regardless of what was thrown at you from from the very, very beginning, from your first breath to where you are now. It speaks volume of your character, and like you said, the mind, and how being able to change your mind can literally change your life. Yes. So I just want to acknowledge you, let you know that I see you, and I appreciate you, and and you're a fucking rock star. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank (laughs) you. It means a lot to me. It does. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. I have one final question for you before we get out of here. You ready? I'm ready. What does resilience mean to you? Never quitting on yourself. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say that one more time. When we quit on anything, the first thing that we're quitting on is ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Dreams, relationships, whatever. The first person that we're saying no to and you can't do it is to us, right? Don't ever quit on yourself. Be your biggest fan all the time. And that, that is resiliency is, is just, it doesn't matter what life throws at you. I always say that the gatekeeper to success is uh, persistence, right? And if you're willing to be persistent in life, no matter what is thrown at you, you are bound to have a great amount of success, whatever that looks like to you, right? It doesn't always equate to money, right? Success is it's a wide, wide spectrum of things, right? But that that is the gatekeeper, right? And so you have to have resilience to stay persistent, for sure. Absolutely. Literally, resilience in action. Chad, you've been a pleasure. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much for having me. Of yes. course. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience and action will always lead to a greater human experience.